my baby, it's me. I'm driving to work. If I don't talk to you, I'll just talk to you this evening when I get off. It'll be late. So I love you very much, and I will talk to you later. Love you. Bye. Hi, my name is Jack Barnell. I'm the Emotional Orphan. I'd like to welcome you to the Social Yet Distance podcast, where we'll tackle topics such as poetry, literature, small press, uh, book releases, politics, mental health, a whole wide variety of topics, just about anything. And we look forward to you coming and visiting with us on a weekly basis. We hope to have one, two, or three podcasts a week up and uh, to get a YouTube channel going in conjunction with it. So we look forward to seeing you. Thanks for joining us on the Social Yet Distance podcast. Welcome to the weekly reading from the Outlaw Bible of American Poetry. going to do a piece now by one of my favorite poets. His name is uh, Jim Carroll. Um, I'm sure you probably know who he is. So this one is from page 452 from the Outlaw Bible of American Poetry. It's called Jukebox for Jim Gustafson. Now I've come to realize that I am a jukebox, a very old jukebox, a classic you might call me. I spent my early years in the elegant saloons of downtown Detroit. I still recall the cool brush of pearls against my glass as women leaned over me to read what I had to give, to discover what I had within me. It changed from week to week. During Prohibition, I was trucked off to a garage in the middle of a desolate winter. And for years, I stood disconnected in pools of oil and antifreeze beside a refrigerator without a door, a steering wheel leaning against my back. I should make this clear. I only play 45s. Aching spirals of black vinyl. I do not play compact disc. I do not show videos. They are digital technologies and I am an analog thing. I participate in your consciousness as you participate in mine. When they discovered me last year, they tried to insert a laser inside me, but I rejected it like a transplanted heart. Look at my lines. I have a right to be proud. On each side, I have wide tubes filled with amber and green liquid where large bubbles form and flow constantly top to bottom. It's true, my needle has turned slightly dull, and my tone arm skips across the music, creating lovely variations and distortion each time they drop onto the turntable and play. Songs that bring memories painful as dry ice. And now I've been hauled to the cemetery and placed on brittle grass over your grave instead of a headstone. My guts filled with all your favorite tunes just as you wrote it out. And instead of flowers or stones, friends bring rolls of quarters. Today, a tall woman, thin with long straight hair, inserted $10 and even change on the same song, F6, and danced away to my speaker's blasting brown-eyed girl over and over and over, the morning through in the grass grinding above you. Pig feet. 
That day that the walls closed in with the suffocating force of being half a lung shy of breathing deeply, wanderlust, not carnal lust, came. Obsession, like whispered of in pastel rooms. On a trusty steed named Bronco 82, he rode with certainty, like a trick shot at the carnival searching for the giant Chinese panda. The four-wheeled banshee screamed on the plantation, an irritation to the European killers. They had traveled so far just to taste blood. The boar offered respite for the white-tailed prey. Curly-tailed mother and her young were decimating the supply of what made deer fat and worthy of death. Heartbeat, blood coursing, four legs and twenty-four drumsticks running for their life or to be pickled on the counter of the stop and pay on the corner of Big Tree and Babbling Brook. Slow mole roll. Concentrated reaction, unheard sound of stitches ripping offered another shot at the same old thing. No exit, smell of gas, and a craving to light a cigarette. Social yet distance would like to congratulate Punk Hostage Press, our West Coast friends. It's been nine years since they've started providing words to the world, and we just want to send them congratulations and a big thanks for all they've done for the world of poetry and outlaw uh, lifestyle. So um, in celebration, they've released three new books on the world uh, over the past few weeks. Nadia Bruce Rawlings, Driving in the Rain. Dan Denton's $100 a week motel, and the long-awaited A. Razor's Puro Purismo. Please take the time to pick these books up, support your local small press, and support your local artist and the arts. Be well, everybody. Happy anniversary, punk hostage. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Social Yet Distance podcast. Peaceful transition, that's the topic of the week, isn't it? You know, it's what we're all after in our personal and our uh, private lives, I imagine. Uh, The metaphors could run wild here. You know, history is as history was. This week we're going to take a look at some of that history. We're going to talk a little bit about revolution. We're going to talk a little bit about peaceful transition and how that actually happens. Uh, We'll be having a look at the John Giorno Dial of Poets collection uh, from Giorno Poetry Systems, copyright 1972, and you'll find it on ubu.web, Yoko Ono's collection of all kind of art. Uh, Great stuff. Thanks for attending, and we hope you enjoy the show. I'd like to take a moment and talk about the Dial of Poets collection. Um... It originally was an LP called The Dial of Poem Poets, put out by John Giorno and the Giorno Poetry Systems. Um, He wrote an introduction, which I'm going to read. We will be delving into this collection uh, during this episode and probably several more to come uh, between this Dial of Poem project and the Karma Bombs and their Poetry Bomb Tour. Um, those equate probably my favorite to independent projects uh, around the world of poetry. So because I'm partial to it and I can, um, I'll be talking about that a lot and 
uh, we can hear the poems in the, in the poet's voice. So that's a part of it. By way of introduction, I'm going to read the, uh, the introduction section that John Giorno wrote to, uh, to talk about where this collection came from and how it came to be. And then uh, we'll jump into some pieces. I've got a piece from Ann Waldman, who is pretty much well-respected and known by everybody. Um, she's one of the founders of the Kerouac School of Disembodied Poetics. We'll hear a piece from Frank O'Hara, who once upon a time uh, was also curator for the uh, Metropolitan Museum. And then a couple of uh, pieces from essays or speeches made by both Bobby Seale and Kathleen Cleaver. Uh, so that'll wrap it up. So let's do that. I'm going to read from John Giorno. Dial a poem hype. One day a New York mother saw her 12-year-old son with two friends listening to the telephone and giggling. She grabbed the phone from them and what she heard freaked her out. This was when Dalapom was at the Architectural League of New York with worldwide media coverage and Junior Scholastic Magazine had just done an article and listening to Dalapom was homework in New York City public schools. It was also at a time when I was putting out a lot of erotic poetry like Jim Carroll's pornographic basketball diaries, so it became hip for the teenies to call. The mother and other reactionary members of the community started hassling us, and the Board of Education put pressure on the telephone company, and there were hassles and more hassles, so they cut us off. Ken Dewey and the New York State Council on the Arts were our champions, and the heavy lawyers threatened the telephone company with a lawsuit and were instantly on again. Soon after our funds were cut, we couldn't pay the telephone bills, so it ended. Then we moved to the Museum of Modern Art, where one half of the content of Dalapalm was politically radical poetry. At the time, with the war and repression and everything, we thought this was a good way for the movement to reach the people. Time Magazine picked up on how you could call David and Nelson Rockefeller's museum and learn how to build a bomb. This was when the weathermen were bombing New York office buildings. Time ran the piece on the Nation page next to the photo of a dead cop shot talking on the telephone in Philadelphia. However, Bobby Seale, Elders Cleaver, and the Black Panthers were well represented. This coupled with rag publicity really freaked the trustees of the museum and the members resigned and thousands complained and the FBI arrived one morning to investigate. The Museum of Modern Art is a warehouse of the plunder and ripoff for the Rockefeller family and they got upset at being in the situation of supporting a system that would self-destruct or self-purify so they ordered the system shut down. John Hightower, MoMA director, was our champion with some heavy changes of conscience and he wouldn't let them silence us for a short while. Then later, John Hightower was fired from MoMA, and Ken Dewey, recently flying alone in a small plane, had crashed and died. In the middle of the Dalapoma experience was the giant self-consuming media machine choosing you as some of its food which also lets you get your hands on the controls because you've made a new system of communicating poetry. 
The newspaper, magazine, TV, and radio coverage had the effect of making everyone want to call the dial-up home. We got up to the maximum limit of the equipment and stayed there. 60,000 calls a week and it was totally great. The busiest time was 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. So one could figure that all those people sitting at desks in New York office buildings spent an awful lot of time on the phone. And then the second busiest time was 8.30 p.m. to 11.30 p.m. It was the after dinner crowd. And then the California calls and those tripping on acid or couldn't sleep from 2 to 6 p.m., 2 a.m. to 6 p.m. So using an existing communication system, we established a new poet-audience relationship. Dial-a-Poem began at the Architectural League in January 1969 with 10 telephone lines and ran for five months, during which time 1,112,337 calls were received. It continued at moment in July 1970 with 12 telephone lines and ran for two and a half months, and 200,087 calls were received. It was at the Museum of Contemporary Art Chicago for six weeks in November 1969, and since then has cropped up everywhere. This was with equipment working at maximum capacity and sometimes jamming the entire exchange. At MoMA, the 12 lines were each connected to an automatic answering set, which holds a pre-recorded message. Someone calling got randomly one of 12 different poems which were changed daily. There were around 700 selections of 55 poets. On this LP of Dial Poem Poets are 27 poets. The records are a selection of highlights of poetry that spontaneously grew over 20 years from 1953 to 1972, mostly in America, representing many aspects and different approaches to dealing with words and sound. The poets are from the New York School, Bolinas and West Coast Schools, Concrete Poetry, Beat Poetry, Black Poetry, and Movement Poetry. Signed, John Giorno, August 1972. These first pieces are from Diane de Prima, Revolutionary Letters, number 7, 13, 16, and 49. Revolutionary letter number seven. There are those who can tell you how to make Molotov cocktails, flamethrowers, bombs, whatever you might be needing. Find them and learn. Define your aim clearly. Choose your ammo with that in mind. It is not a good idea to tote a gun or a knife unless you are proficient in its use. All swords are two-edged, can be used against you by anyone who can get them away from you. It is even possible on the East Coast to find an isolated place for target practice. Success will depend mostly on your state of mind. Meditate, pray, make love, be prepared at any time to die, but don't get uptight. The guns will not win this one. They are an incidental part of the action, which we better damn well be good at. What will win is mantras, the sustenance we give each other, the energy we plug into, the fact that we touch, share food, the Buddha nature of everyone, friend and foe, like a million earthworms, tunneling under the structure till it falls. Revolutionary letter number 13. Now let me tell you what is a Brahma Shastra. Brahma Shastra, Hindu weapon of war, near as I can make out a flying wedge of mind energy hurled at the foe by God or hero, 
or many heroes hurled at a problem or enemy, cracking it. Brahma Shastra can be made by any or all, can be made by all of us, straight or tripping, thinking together like, all of us stop the war at nine o'clock tomorrow, each take one soldier, see him clearly, love him, take the gun out of his hand, lead him to a quiet spot, sit him down, sit with him as he takes a joint of Viet Cong grass from his pocket. Brahma Shastra can be made by all of us, tripping together, summer solstice, at home or in park or wandering, sitting with friends, blinds closed or on porch, no being, no need to gather publicly, just gather spirit, see the forest growing, put back the big trees, put back the buffalo, the grasslands of the Midwest with their herds of elk and deer, put fish in clean great lakes, desire that all surface water on the planet be clean again, kneel down and drink from whatever brook or lake you conjure up. Revolutionary letter number 16. We are eating up the planet. The New York Times takes a forest every Sunday. Los Angeles draws its water from the Sacramento Valley. The rivers of British Columbia are ours on lease for 99 years. Every large factory is an infringement of our God-given right to light and air, to clean and flowing rivers stocked with fish, to the very possibility of life for our children's children. We will have to look carefully, i.e., do we really want, need electricity, and at what cost in natural resource, human resource? Do we need cars when petroleum pumped from the earth poisons the land around for a hundred years, pumped from the car poisons the hard-pressed cities, or try this statistic, the USA has 5% of the world's people, uses over 50% of the world's goods. Our garbage holds matter for survival for uncounted, underdeveloped nations. This is revolutionary letter number 49. Free Julian Beck. Free Timothy Leary. Free seven million starving in Pakistan. Free all political prisoners. Free Angela Davis. Free Soledad brothers. Free Martin Sobel. Free Saka Bill Hayward. Free Sitting Bull. Free Crazy Horse. Free all political prisoners. Free Billy the Kid. Free Jesse James. Free all political prisoners. Free Nathan Hale. Free Joan of Arc. Free Galileo and Bruno and Eckhart. Free Jesus Christ. Free Sacramental prisoners. Free all, all prisoners or political prisoners. Every pot smoker a political prisoner. Every hold-up man, a political prisoner. Every forger, a political prisoner. Every angry kid who smashed a window, a political prisoner. Every whore, pimp, murderer, a political prisoner. Every pederast, dealer, drunk driver, burglar, poacher, striker, strike breaker, rapist. Polar bear at San Francisco Zoo, political prisoner. Ancient wise turtle at Detroit Aquarium, political prisoner. Flamingos dying in Phoenix Tourist Park, political prisoners. Otters in Tucson Desert Museum, political prisoners. Elk in Wyoming grazing behind barbed wire, political prisoners. Prairie dogs poisoned in New Mexico, war casualties. Mass grave of Wyoming bald eagles, a battlefield. Every kid in school, a political prisoner. Every lawyer in his cubicle, a political prisoner. Every doctor brainwashed by AMA, a political prisoner. Every housewife, a political prisoner. Every teacher lying through sad teeth, a political prisoner. Every Indian on reservation, a political prisoner. 
Every black man a political prisoner. Every faggot hiding in bar a political prisoner. Every junkie shooting up in John a political prisoner. Every woman a political prisoner. Every woman a political prisoner. You are political prisoner locked in tense body. You are political prisoner locked in stiff mind. You are political prisoner locked to your parents. You are political prisoner locked to your past. Free yourself, free yourself. I am political prisoner locked in anger habit. I am political prisoner locked in greed habit. I am political prisoner locked in fear habit. I am political prisoner locked in dull senses. I am political prisoner locked in numb flesh. Free me, free me, help to free me. Free yourself, help to free me. Free yourself, help to free me. Free Barry Goldwater, help to free me. Free Governor Wallace, free President Nixon, free J. Edgar Hoover, free them, free yourself, free them, free yourself, free yourself, free them, free yourself, help to free me, free us, dance. Philip Whalen, excerpts from Scenes of Life at the Capitol. Scenes of Life at the Capitol. Uh, it's a one long single poem, but uh, I'll read uh, a selected bit of it here and there to tune you in on what it's about. It's mostly about uh, Kyoto, but all sorts of other capitals as well. <clears throat> Mush, all dropped untidy into the bottom of my skull. A warped red plastic phonograph record. The label says, Emperor Concerto floats on top, inaudible. Nevertheless, light comes through it in a pleasant way, precisely the color of raspberry licorice whips. It got bent in the mail, too near the steam pipes. The music is in there someplace, squeezed into plastic at enormous expense of knowledge. Fire in the Borgo! Lukewarm mush, then cold milk poured over it, chills and transforms the entire arrangement gradually, tending toward an ineradicable, non-biodegradable plastic resembling bakelite, shiny brown. It shatters if you drop it hard. Changed again, turned 180 degrees in an unexpected direction. Bent Beethoven, burnt Nial. I have lived all these years until this moment without understanding there's absolutely nothing which I can do well. Ring bell three times. Nothing. Hardy har. What do you mean, hardy har? Nothing, just hardy har. I might have said, hidey ho. Oh, mighty nothing. How does the wicked earl begin? I don't know nothing about it. There are two long bearded, apprehensive gremlins, one beside each of my ears. The left hand one very gently whispers, hello, and listens for a reply from the other side. He repeats, hello, very softly. Are you still there? And the right-hand one, listening and nodding, his own ear turned toward that furry, dark pink and lavender cave. Presently, he replies, also very softly, hello, across the blank, echoing, empty, dark between. I think I'll go take a bath. Well, come on, who is it if it isn't gremlins? 
some other of those revolting British creations for children, subject of PhD theses in American universities. Big eyes, charm, lots of fur all over, stage set by Arthur Rackham. I'm really going to take a bath now. I split wood, gifted the landlord, while water plushes into iron pot. Make fire underneath. Bless these elements. Their nature and use connect me to this place, the capital, its history. Temple bell rings, no self, no permanence. Fiery waters all around. The iron bathtub is history. Its name, Goimon Buro, a Goimon bath. He was a highway robber, caught at last and cooked to death in a pot of boiling oil on the bank of the Kamo River. Uh, it's just sort of sad. The Destruction of America by John Sinclair. It's called The Destruction of America. And again, I got the title from Leroy Jones, from his novel. And it's for Malcolm X Little, uh, who died on February 21st. I wrote this when I heard about how he, you know, that, that he died. Like, Malcolm X is one of the few political figures that I've ever had any respect for. And I was, you know, like, very brought down. And more than that, actually, when he died. It, it starts from a, from a line from the Sister Madonna's Hill. I've loved about all the people I can and feel that love turned to stone, boulders of hatred, bitterness, concretions of frozen bile, what I despised when I could still love you, stupid mongers, killers, blubber-headed murderers, hate so fast through my brain, smashing cold reservoirs of feeling, intelligence, broken streets of the imagination, go, Dumb killers keep them turned against themselves, stolen niggers, slaves of luxury, dead puppets of desire, Cadillacs, guns, leather coats, the obscene repetition of history in politicians' bloody dreams, power, greedheads, pimps for the whore they've made America, wasted land. Two. Make the music hard, make it burn, to sear the ear, to make me scream. Murder silence, don't stand for it, killers of insane, stupid dreams. Move my hands and feet, make them work to keep up. Focus on the act of violent music, the act of making it. The kick in the balls where the feet should go, slitting fat throats shoving greasy lies down their whining teeth, the function of art to keep the balance, a form so strict, so fine, it has to be to stay alive, to keep from exploding on the page or in their greedy faces, move with the punch, with the music, against what lies they publish in the rancid newspapers of the mind, where you can feel the limits of the form, white straitjackets of emotion, the clean taste of bile on the tongue of love, where the mind gives up to the gut, guts, muscle, bone, hard steel of feeling, hate so pure it burns, rips, tear, claw, kick, smash their lying backs, their bleeding hearts. 
too late for tears, for anything but simple action. War, the filthy noise of compassion when the song runs out to the ends of silence. Cracked lips, bloody fingers, broken drums blow, musicians blow till the racket drowns us out, then kill. Three. When the form begins to go, crumbles, shattered, some lack of precision blasted through the end of intellection, where gut is law, the only law, where what is left is not worth saving, where we can start now, the shape bent out of recognition smeared on the page, on their wavy faces, the social order, anarchy, murder, where the breath runs off the page into some silent jungle of compromise, where the race is run up against it, smack in the face, where it can go, the race, the ends of logic, where what was left is gone, wiped out, what song is left to sing, who to sing it, the story is there in the man's blood on the streets of real America, where they left it, how to blame them or anyone, to keep from murdering them in their senseless sleep, what slap to wake them, what eyes are theirs, lies they can't help but tell, America, that old bullshit dream, how to get out of it, through what forms there are left for us, where we can take them, the music, the only sound we can trust, the forms it puts to us for our use, how to use them, how to get to that point, counterpoint, where words move into melody, song, music, where the sense comes dancing through to feeling, the sense of feel, touch, the balance of harmony, how the changes, the progressions move us to you, people, killers, anyone left worth saving, advance on each other, dance, sing. These next two pieces, uh, one is from Bobby Seale, the second is from Kathleen Cleaver, and they were both taken from a speech that was made at the Fillmore East. We hate you white people. We hate you white people. The next time one of you patties come up here accusing me hating you because of the color of your skin, I will kick you in your ass. I am saying that when one goes forth with his life out there to deal with the racist power structure, to deal with the real racism, that real racism is the murders and the atrocities and the oppression that black people live in. When one goes out there to deal with that, he realizes what he hates. He hates what the white races in this country has established, this system of oppression, etc. And I wouldn't stoop to the level of a Ku Klux Klansman and a racist pig in this system to hate one of you jive patties just because of your simple color of your jive skin.
We start out hating you because of the color of your skin, but when we really get down to the nitty gritty and don't miss no nits or grits and really start hating what's really happening to us, we start hating it, so we start picking up guns and we don't come out jiving. That is the point. That is the point. That is the meaning of black people beginning to organize with guns and force across this country to deal with white racism. Brother Huey P. Newt was very, very hip to black people. Very, Brother Huey P. Newt was very hip to how to organize black people. Brother Huey ordered me and 30 other brothers to go to Sacramento, California, May the 2nd, 1967, armed to the gill, armed to the teeth, buckshots, shotguns, pump shotguns, 357 magnums, 45s, 30-odd 6s, name it. Right down the line, we went there, we found Regan on the lawn, talking to some 200 future leaders, 200 future races. And when he seen these hard niggas off the block, organized, ready to blast away at any pig or any races that get down wrong, Regan got to running across his lawn trying to get off inside the damn Capitol. He was acting in a desired manner on that spot. What happened on the night of April 6th in Oakland, California, the murder of Bobby Hutton, a 17-year-old man, and the attempted assassination of Eldridge Cleaver was nothing but the culmination of a long series of attacks upon the leadership of the Black Panther Party that are paralleled only by the massive advances and gains in support of the Black Panther Party. Bobby Hutton and Eldridge Cleaver were trapped in the basement of a house, driven there by police fire. And for over two hours, for almost two hours, were bombarded with machine gun fire, rifle gun fire, pistol fire, tear gas canisters, Rifle bullets went from the front of the house all the way through the back. The tear gas, the nerve gas shot in that house was so powerful that a week later, the stench was still visible. The basement of that house looked like the bombed out ruins of a building in Berlin. The brothers didn't come out of that house until it was set on fire and was almost ready to explode by the presence of so much gas. A tear gas canister had hit Eldridge and Bobby Hutton had undressed him to see if he was wounded anywhere. He just stayed undressed in the heat and in the bullets being wounded and practically blinded by tear gas and asphyxiated and not knowing whether he would live or die for another minute. When the house was set on fire, they surrendered. They decided they'd rather come out of an incinerator than and deal with uh, the roving band of racists outside. Bobby Hutton came out first with his hands in the air. A young brother, the first member of the Black Panther Party, engaged in self-defense. He was viciously shot down by a volley of machine gun fire. As the cops ran up to get them, the whole house bathed in floodlights. 
was no question as to whether he had a gun or not, no question as to whether he was surrendering, he was murdered. Eldridge Cleaver came out of the house dark naked. The only reason he wasn't killed, because it's very difficult to say that a naked man was concealing a weapon. The police officers told him to run, run, run to the squad car. The only reason he didn't run was because he was wounded in the leg. He couldn't run. Okay, so we hope you enjoyed uh, this episode and that you enjoyed digging into the Dalla Poem series. We will be talking about this collection repeatedly um, as it's one of my favorites, as I mentioned earlier. So in keeping with that, um, one of the things that I think came out of that whole project that's so useful is exposure of poetry and the mission um, whatever the mission was, you hear it referred to in this particular collection as the movement. But the idea is to get those words out and in, in, into the masses. Um, here on Facebook and social media, we tend to uh, flock together. Um, if Mary Sue is selling a chapbook, then all of Mary Sue's friends buy a chapbook. But guess what? The rest of the world don't know that Mary Sue... Uh, has a chat, a chat book at all. So part of what we hope to do is expand the horizons a little bit by opening up the audience and getting some people involved that may or may not have been exposed to the words that we like, love to share so much. That's the idea. So in keeping with uh, the Dial of Poems series and their historical reference, if you go to the anchor.fm slash emotional orphan page directly, you may get your podcast from other locations, but I need you to go to this particular location, anchor.fm forward slash emotional orphan. That's the main page for the social yet distance. If you notice on the right hand about eye level, there is a button that says messages. Click that message and you'll have a minute to leave a poem. I'm asking that you leave a poem. Um, we are going to try to collect 50 poems. Um, they all need to be a minute or less. We're going to take those and from those we will select winners for merchandise. Uh, there's notebooks, postcards, stickers. Um, we're going to be doing a collection of broadsides and hope to put the poems together in a written format uh, as a chat book as well. So that's the deal with the, uh, with the contest. Um, please leave your poem message at the website anchor.fm slash emotional orphan. We will go through those, the editorial team will go through those, select winners, we'll notify you of your prizes, and then we'll start putting together the project and making that available. The idea here is everybody share every link to everything. We want to build the audience and we want it to be different than just us. So let's do that. Thanks and have a great day. Look forward to seeing you next week. Hello, my name is Jack Varnell. I'm the Emotional Orphan. I am with the Social Yet Distance podcast. And, you know, in this crazy COVID world that we've created, everybody is always looking for ways to support themselves and their families. So that's what 
the Social Yet Distance uh, podcast and crew is really all about. We're built on the idea of supporting small businesses, the small press, and all the creators we can get our hands on. We're looking at ways that we can bring you more and better content that helps us to meet that goal. But meanwhile, redbubble.com and society6, the number six, society6.com forward slash emotional orphan at both. We'll get you to our art store and merchandise store where you can pick up all kind of goodies. Um, anything from art to full size furniture. So come visit us. Help support the podcast.